0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 213. One day, I shall come back. That's it. i have been renewed.
1: As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a
0: human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty.
1: Change, my dear. And it seems on a
0: moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position he you know. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, I am Scottish.
2: I can complain about things. She'll be fine.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the first Doctor story, The Romans. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Akin. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Uh, Folks, uh, just a reminder, if you uh, can take a moment out of your day to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and write us a nice review. That really helps us. Um, more and more folks are finding this podcast, and we really love having you join us. And that's due to you writing reviews and sharing the podcast with your friends. Almost entirely, <laughs> this is a word of mouth sort of thing. So we really do appreciate it, and we thank you. And if you anyone, if if you haven't done that yet, if you could do so, we really do appreciate it. All right, this is the fourth serial of the second season of Doctor Who, and it features the William Hartnell's first Doctor. And he's still being joined as companions Ian, Barbara, and now Vicky. This is Vicky's second story. She's joining us.
2: And her first adventure.
0: That's right. That's right. And that comes up a few times. Yeah, she kind of uh, complains
2: this. that it starts out very unaventurous.
0: <laughs> yes. So, so there's an interesting beginning to this. They've the, the TARDIS has left the previous planet where they picked up Vicky and materialized on the edge of a cliff. Which I think is kind of nice that they do this because you, you sometimes you wonder why does the TARDIS like materialize in some odd places? It always, you know, in science fiction they always materialize or beam into the right place, like never on the edge of a cliff. Well, here it's the edge of a cliff, and it teeters and falls off uh, the cliff. And that was and- our
1: literal cliffhanger from the previous episode. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> a literal cliffhanger. And then you cut to everyone in. Roman garb, togas and such, laying about in a villa. A and you realize later. a month a month has passed. They've been there, uh, and and the, this is when Vicky complains about. I thought we were having adventures, and uh, <laughs> you know they're they're having some fun, I guess, uh, laying about. They're squatting.
1: Uh, they're yes, because it they're in a villa apparently without permission, and we're told later that the owner of the villa is away fighting a campaign in Gaul, so in France.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But they they found the villa unoccupied, even by servants, apparently, and <laughs> yeah, and decided, hey, let's just take it over and squat here until we don't.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It, you know, it's I, and I should point out this is another one of the pure historicals. There are no aliens. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, spiritual beings. There's no nothing that this is all purely historical. And again, this just reinforces my I'm, I'm riding this hobby horse again. I think Doctor Who should go back to doing occasional pure historicals because it's fun. They're fun mm-hmm. stories.
2: You can have a lot of fun with them. And, you know, it. it's not something it's something that, frankly, would probably be better than half the fake historicals or the alien and historical situation episodes right. we've seen. Well, and right.
1: in fact, at this point, anything said in Earth's history, it's like, OK, we're just waiting for the alien to show
2: up.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well that what was that the first uh, season for the 13th Doctor where they were oh. in uh, Kashmir uh, you know the, the the partition of India and it's like that would have been a great story just on its own about the partition mm-hmm. of India you didn't have to bring aliens in I just yeah so I'll, I was th- th-
2: I was thinking of the Rosa of Parks one and that's the same kind of thing
1: and yeah. and then there it was in that same season the King James the first uh, or King James episode and again yeah, aliens right. it's just aliens 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 you can't go anywhere in earth's history without hitting aliens <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting an alien in Earth's history. And the dead cat probably was an alien. <laughs> that's right. So in this one, we're going to meet Nero. That's where we're in
1: July of eight eighty sixty
0: four. Eighty six. That's right. That was the, the exact year. That's very. It's very significant date as we'll come to. But uh, we're going to end up meeting Nero. But we start in this town of Asinium, Asisium. So is that a CC? The town of well, the they city? go to.
1: It is a CC. Yes, they're actually okay. outside of a CC in the villa. Okay, but that is a town they go to on the way to Rome. Okay. Um, before we we do that though, you know, we have a, a good bit of time in the first episode spent at the villa, mm-hmm. which I really like. That's just character interaction between our four principals. Yep, and yep. it's really it, you know we have the the three companions Ian, Barbara, and Vicky. And they each have a distinct personality, and, and they like each other. And it's fun just to see them interacting with mm-hmm. each other. It's a lot more fun yeah. to see them just interacting than it is the current three companions. And I yeah. think it demonstrates how the idea you can't have three companions is nonsense. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, part of the reason they can spend this time is because, you know, it's a, it's a longer serial. Television was slower paced mm-hmm. at the time. But it still, it just works. It's just fun to watch Ian and Barbara. They're clearly friends. They tease each other a little bit. The doctor Mm -hmm. has a very strong personality. He does one of his malapropisms for Chesterfield. He calls uh, Ian Chesterton uh, Chesterfield at one point. And Barbara corrects him and says, Chesterton. And the doctor, without missing a beat, says, Barbara's calling you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and 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 now Vicky's in the mix and she's a young girl but she's from the future and she's got her own personality and it's all just very pleasant character interaction and well, even if yep. you couldn't spend as long on it today you could have companions just being nice to each other and it works you know you don't have to have constant drama between the characters.
2: Well I I think there's a lesson there too Because, of course, Ian and Barbara have been with the Doctor for now a year and a half, and they're known characters, and then Vicky is brought in, and it adds to the environment, unlike New Who, where they decide, okay, we are going to completely cut off our old companions and start all over again with brand new companions because. And they built up to that point instead of just, you know, so, so... by this time, of course, the the fandom, the 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 follower, the people watching are like, oh yeah, we know Ian Barbara pretty well, and this Vicky, she seems to be fitting in well too, you right. know, and that 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 helps a lot too because then you don't have to worry about developing all three characters at the same time, quite right? Like they do today.
0: Speaking of some fun comedic moments in this first episode, there's a, a moment where a Barbara uh compliments Ian's look as a he looks like a real Roman, you know, and and so he starts reciting Shakespeare's Julius Caesar and she's like oh that was a mistake giving give, give you yeah. that idea <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, so, so good and then there's a uh, she she gets him with a joke about uh, can you go to the fridge and get some more ice for the wine and uh, and he has to stop and realize there is no fridge in there's the not East even 64. an ice box
1: no ice no, <laughs> yes, <laughs> no ice speaking of roman things and technology the doctor at one point has a discussion with Ian about how the Romans didn't have water pipes and that's why they built their aqueducts and things could have been yeah. very different if they had water pipes. And that's, and that's meant to be, I guess, educational stuff for the kids in the audience. And it's all flat wrong. Yeah. Right. The the Romans did have water pipes. In fact, they used water pipes in the aqueduct system. Mm-hmm. And when the water from the aqueduct comes to your neighborhood, it has to get to your house somehow, and they used pipes for that, and you even paid for the size of the pipe you wanted, because (laughs) obviously a bigger pipe will put more water in your house, and so they charged you, the civic government charged you based on the size of the pipe you were connecting to your house with, and there was actually a problem with people illegally widening the pipes to their house or illegally <laughs> tapping into the city water supply without paying—it was like the equivalent of stealing cable.
0: I was just going to say, like you're paying for higher bandwidth.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, but but the, the funny part is that sounds like
2: today. I mean, yeah. Other than we use meters now to, in most places, to meter how much water you're pulling out. Right. I know. I know. In places I've lived, if you have a bigger pipe coming into your house, even you know you don't use as much water. They still charge you a little extra for having that bigger like commercial pipe or something like that. Right, right. So that still happens today, and people still do tap into the water system illegally today. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, Barbara and Vicky have gone on a shopping trip to the local town from the villa, and uh, while they're in town, they end up um, encountering – well, they're, they're seen by some slave traders, some guys who've come from Gaul. They don't like the stock that they have brought from Gaul, and they see Barbara and Vicky, and they think they'd make some a nice product, quote unquote, to sell in Rome on their way there. Uh, and they've heard Barbara mention that to one of the merchants that she's from Londinium or mm-hmm. Britain, uh, Roman era, Brit- uh, London. Uh, we also see Britannia, yes. There's also a highway robber who's waylaying people or or or, or looks like he's about to waylay somebody. Yeah,
1: there's a wandering minstrel uh with a liar and he mm-hmm. just up and kills him out of nowhere with a knife. It's really yes. quite shocking. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh the uh let's see and then the doctor has this sudden urge at 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 the next point to go to Rome. He's decided I'm going to go to Rome uh leaving Ian and Barbara behind like he's, he has no intention of taking them and but Vicky wants to go with them well he sort of
1: offered but he he did it in such a cryptic way they refused. and it's like oh well you said no to my offer to go to Rome so yeah. <laughs>
0: right right so after the doctor and Vicky have left the slave traders show up at the villa and capture Ian and Barbara they they were trying to capture all four of them but the doctor and Vicky were uh, gone so they they but they capture uh, Ian and Barbara, and... Well, it's looking uh,
1: good for a moment. I mean, Ian is, like, about to crash a guy into the fountain in, <laughs> yes. in in their courtyard, and the fountain, if you look closely, it looks like it's got plastic wrap or trash bags lining yeah. it.
0: Yes. Well, yep. well, we don't want the soundstage to get filled with water. We have to be careful here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but then Barbara accidentally cracks a, a vase over Ian's head and knocks him out, and Barbara causes them to lose the fight.
0: Yeah. Right, right. She's the cause, and this will be important later on, or it'll come back later on, uh, that she's the cause of them ending up becoming slaves. Cause, well, we'll get to that in a second, because at the same time, the doctor and Vicky are on the road to Rome and they stumble on the body of that musician the lyre player who was killed by the highwayman and for once the doctor
1: doesn't get blamed for the murder of a person whose body he's just stumbled across instead but it looks like he's about to looks like he's about <laughs> yeah, to yeah. it looks like he's yeah. about to but instead something completely different happens and because he's an old man and he's holding the old man's lyre he gets mistaken for the wandering minstrel right and by a he, c- centurion yeah and he does yeah. not uh he does not favor us anachronistically with any of the lyrics from the Mikado. (laughs) A wandering (laughs) minstrel, I—a a thing of shreds and patches of ballad songs and snatches and dreamy lullabies, which he easily could have done, but he doesn't. Yes. Yes.
0: So the the, the centurion says that he had been sent to bring this famous lyre player from Corinth, was it?
1: Corinth. Yep. Corinth. Yeah
0: to Nero's court, and it turns out that Nero had ordered the famous musician killed so that there wouldn't be a better musician than he. So the centurion says that he'd been come to escort the musician, but in reality, he'd hired this criminal, this mute man, he, his tongue had been cut out, to kill the musician, and uh, and <laughs> he did, but they think they didn't. So there's this misdirection here. And so that so he says, oh, well, I'll escort you uh, back to Rome. We'll stop over in, in Assisium for the night and then on our way to Rome the next day. So meanwhile, Ian and Barbara are being held at the slave trader camp, and they sell Ian off to this local guy who's, I guess, needing to buy slaves for uh, to stock as galley slaves because Ian ends mm-hmm. up on a galley. Uh, but Barbara, they think they can get a pretty penny for in Rome because she's more attractive than the other f- female slaves or, or or whatever, but they, they think they ch- they're going to get some good money for her. And uh, how were slaves treated in Rome? Because uh, Roman it, slavery was different than chattel slavery? It, it varied widely.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, chattel slavery just means someone is someone else's legal property. But what that okay. means varies widely from one culture to another. In Israel, for example... A slave was considered someone's property, but you couldn't kill them. You didn't have the right of life and death over them. If you killed a slave, you got killed in return. And that was true here in America, too. In America, slaves were considered property, but you could not kill them, and there were slave owners who were convicted of murder. Hmm. So you didn't have the power of life and death. In Rome, on the other hand, the slaves were not only considered property but they the the father of the household did have the power of life and death not just mm. over the slaves but over his children mm. and so they were much more more vulnerable in that respect on the other hand it was much easier to do certain other things as a slave and you could be a very high ranking slave that was entrusted with like clerical affairs and bookkeeping and business and all kinds of stuff so, like, uh, the Emperor hmm. Claudius has had these high-ranking slaves that were basically high-government officials for him, even though they were technically his property.
0: Interesting. Okay. And so uh, what we see depicted here is uh, within the realm of, of historical reality in, in that sense, um, mm-hmm. That the way that Ian and Barbara are treated in various Yeah,
1: ways. All, although one of the things they say is wrong, they talk about if you're a runaway slave, At this time in Roman history, it's automatic death. And that is uh, flatly not true. Okay, Mm. You could be killed, but most slave owners, I mean, slaves are sources of labor. They're valuable. That's why people spend money on them. And so you don't just throw away a resource. Right. If you don't, you know, unless you're really mad or something. And so consequently, slaves that were runaways could get punished, obviously but they weren't simply automatically killed which is what they outright say here instead okay. they would do other things to them and if a if a slave was a chronic runaway they would do things like you know tattoo his forehead with mm. i'm a slave or put a a metal collar on him that he can't take off that'll say like i am a runaway if you return me i'll be re- you'll get rewarded and stuff like that
0: Kind of uh. like
2: the keys for
1: the old keys for the hotel that had the little key fob, you know, <laughs> drop in right. the mailbox.
0: Yes, drop the slave in the local uh, mailbox and yeah. <laughs> return. And, and yeah. by the
1: way, something that I really noticed here, I mean, they show us a, the brutal side of slavery mm-hmm. yep. in this episode, especially when, I mean, as Ian is being forced to row, and as yep. Barbara is being mistreated and things like that, and. I have in my notes, notice that we don't need moralizing speeches to show us that slavery is bad. Right. It's, they just yeah. show it to us. Today, we get all these speeches about it, and I really like how they just show us slavery is bad without mm-hmm. lecturing us about it. It's much more effective right. that way. It yeah, fe- yeah, it, exactly. it affects you on an emotional level when you see it rather right. than just being told about it.
0: Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, so uh, overnight in Assisium, the doctor is attacked by the hired killer again. Uh, well, not again, but the hired killer attacks the doctor in his room in an in an mm-hmm. inn there, and the doctor fights him off and seems to have fun fighting oh, him off. He's oh, chuck, yeah. he's chuckling. He's doing the little William Hartnell tittle titter as he's <laughs> yeah. as as
1: he's flipping this guy like like he thinks he's the third doctor or something.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. right. And then he he claims to be an expert in fisticuffs, having taught the. Mountain Mauler of Montana, F- Father Corey. Oh wow! Is, do you know the mountain, the mountain Mahler of Montana? Oh, everybody in
2: Montana knows Mountain Mauler. No, this was an ad lib by William Hartnell. A great one, by the way. You know, I mean, that was be pretty quick to come up with something like that. But, that
0: is pretty good. No, that was an ad
2: lib of his. It's not somebody who exists or existed. So,
0: but, I mean, so literally ad lib. Not it wasn't even scripted. Yeah, it was, it was, an was ad-lib. not scripted.
2: It was a oh, complete ad lib. It was something that, that he awesome. just came up on the fly.
0: That is great. Good job, William Hartnell. Uh, and, and and he also and,
1: and then the actress playing Vicky has to react to it. And, yeah. and he he, he <laughs> says, "Have you ever heard of him?" And oh, of course you haven't. And he lets her off the hook. Yeah, yeah. that was <laughs> unexpected in the script.
0: The the poor actress. Uh, it, it, he also reveals that he knew. He tells her that, "Oh, I know that it was the Centurion who hired the man to kill to kill me. So uh, I'm not I'm so worried about that." Uh, they they by the way they end up uh, Vicky ends up tossing him out the window. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the you know uh, in the in the uh, when she comes in to intervene, and so he's like, why did you throw him out the window? I wanted to question him." So Barbara ends up in the slave pits in Rome, uh, while Ian is now a galley slave. And there, I'm, I was a little unclear on the time f- that's passed, but it, it seemed like it was five days because Barbara says something about a month, uh, but th- I think maybe that's the month that they were in the villa because Ian mm-hmm. says something about being on the galley for five days. So. Yeah. I'm not sure what was there. But in any case, we, we do get a bit of, of the development of this of the, what goes on in the galley. But the, the long and short of it is that the galley ends up in a storm. It breaks apart. And Ian and this other slave named Delos, they escape.
1: Yeah. And the, the shipwreck is really dramatic. I mean, they're using stock footage for the outside shots of the shipwreck. Yep. But then we get interior shots of the water being sloshed on the galley slaves yep. and their overseer and like a beam comes loose and hits Ian on the head as the ship is breaking up. And right. it's very, this is very effective, dramatic footage uh, watching mm-hmm. a ship from the inside being crushed by the waves.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: Although it was kind of funny, obviously the technology at the time that the water sloshing on the slaves was a guy with a bucket off yeah. camera throwing it on them, but still <laughs> yeah. it, it's
1: clear they it did didn't the have
0: effect
2: have move flinging the water yeah. on them,
1: yeah
0: it did the effect though, <laughs> so uh Barbara's in the slave uh, pits in the cell, and a Roman aristocrat of some sort named Te- Tavius we'll find out who he is really later um he's determined to to purchase barbara and and, and he doesn't want to wait for the auction he um offers you know to, to buy her outright, but the slave master of the si Sef- is. He wants to put her on the block. He thinks he can get a better price. And the
1: reason Tavius wants to purchase Barbara as a slave is because he saw her being kind to a Mm -hmm. worse-off Gaulish slave woman and instead of just thinking of herself. So he's spotted that Barbara is not only beautiful, Barbara also is a quality person.
0: That's Mm -hmm. right. So at the auction itself, then, there's, there's some back and forth, and then Tavius steps up and just bids, like, Ten thousand, when everyone else was still at two thousand, like yeah. he just overbids.
1: Um, Meanwhile, the doctor and Vicky are wandering by, but because and Vicky starts to look over at the slave auctioning, but the doctor shields her from it. It's like, oh, right. that's nothing for you to be concerned about, my child. So the doctor is purposefully shielding Vicky from the reality of slavery, mm-hmm. and that is what causes them to miss the auction of Barbara. They could have reconnected with Barbara at that moment if the Doctor hadn't done this. And this is one of the aspects of this that comes out is we have a comedy of errors. Now, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of comedy in this. There's a lot of, even despite the dark themes we've mentioned, there's also a lot of comedy, like when the Doctor is fighting with the mute assassin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of sight gags and there's a lot of comedy of error stuff where people are narrowly missing each other. Yep. And and they actually were not going to have Ian and Barbara's plot sync up with the Doctor and Vicky's until the very end of the final episode. Despite mm. the fact they're all running around the same space, they all keep missing each other.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. It that was that was actually kind of a, a fun part of it. It's just the, the near misses. It's like a comedy. And, and, how they would,
2: and they got they got fairly creative in some of them. Some of them were, were pretty. Yep. Uh, just literally, it's like one's walking out, the other's walking in. And, you know, yeah. and one just happened to turn his back the wrong time and miss the other one. Right. And-
0: so, Tavius tells Barbara that uh, he bought her to be a slave in Nero's household. Uh, and she outright tells him, Well, I intend to escape. He's like, oh, well, yeah. good luck with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's like, Fine. I'm not responsible for that. I'm just responsible for buying the slaves. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, Oh, by the way, we should mention, one of the reasons that that this episode, I think, comes off as well as it does is it's only a four-parter. It it was originally meant to be a six-parter, but when Susan left, they shaved off the first two episodes of this and turned it into Vicky's introduction on the planet Dido. So, Uh as a result, they only had four slots, and thus, this is a pretty tightly paced one.
0: Yes, and it is. It is. Actually, it's a lot of fun like that. Uh, It's Better for it. Uh, So the doctor is uh, ends up being brought to his audience with Nero and uh, Nero wants him to play the music. And of course, the doctor cannot play the liar like he is a liar about being able to play the liar. And so Mm -hmm. he he always has these uh, these these figures out these ways to flatter Nero, inflate his ego and get out of having to play for him. There's always he keeps doing these. And it gets really crazy in a bit. We'll, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah. uh, he, he does flatter Nero's liar playing and, uh, and, it, as a way of getting out of uh, having to play for him here. But he's got to come back and, and do it later.
1: And, and this is something that's kind of interesting about William Hartnell's character in this episode. He, he's just determined he's going to Rome. And the yeah. other characters, the the companions are all, doctor, are you sure that's a good idea? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, they keep sounding this caution note. And he, at one point, takes offense because he catches the implication. He's an old man. This is dangerous. Why is he doing this? It's like, I'm perfectly capable of taking care of myself. And mm-hmm. he really is very brash. Even after the guy gets murdered, Vicky is like, doctor, do you think we should maybe rethink this? I mean you you just yeah. you just survived an assassination attempt maybe we don't want to go to Rome and doctor you cannot play the liar how mm. are you going to deal with nero when when he wants you to play the liar and vicky is constantly su- sounding this caution note and the doctor is constantly overruling her but it struck me this overconfidence is in character i yes. mean not o- not only for william hartnell but for later doctors as well i can totally imagine you know, say uh, Matt Smith's eleventh Doctor, just brushing aside these concerns. He'd do it in a slightly different, more boyish way. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I can easily
2: imagine, yeah, the Doctor's just going to do this and throw caution to the wind. Well, and he's even getting, he's even getting glee out of the out of the danger. I mean, there's points where he's almost gleeful that there's this this uh, intrigue going on in the the in the right. court there and everything.
1: Yeah. I was going to say in this episode or in this story William Hartnell is clearly having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And there's no bigger thing. There's not st- we're not saving the planet. We're not, you know, uh, preventing anything. He's just having an adventure meeting Nero. That's just the, mm-hmm. that's all it's this is about, which is kind of fun. In any case, uh, Ian and and the other galley slave Delos are caught entering Rome and they're brought to the circus to face the lions in the arena. So they're they're going to be forced to to fight in the arena. Tavius, meanwhile, it turns out that he had some kind of conspiracy going with the original liar player, the musician named Maximus. That's the the, 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 the guy who was murdered already. Uh, and so he keeps having this these uh, conversations full of unspoken <laughs> understanding that the doctor has no <laughs> idea what he's talking about, but kind of goes along with it uh, about some kind of intrigue and conspiracy. Yeah, uh, he,
1: for example, tells the doctor that someone, I forget the guy's name, but so-and-so is in the apoditarium. Yes. but i but i and there was some trouble but i took care of it right and so an, an apotiterium is like a changing room or a locker room for public baths yes mm. so it's where you go to get your clothes off and stow your stuff before you go into the, to the bath and later the doctor and vicky go into the apotiterium and find the find a dead body behind the curtain Yes, and so they that's... find a dead bod in the apoditerium, and <laughs> and and that's apparently what Tavius was referring to when he said there was trouble, but I took care of it.
0: Right. In fact, um, it was the centurion who had arranged the um, assassination attempt. So it, yeah, that we're, the intrigue. Uh, so Barbara, meanwhile, she uh, her role in the household is to become the new personal slave for uh oh, Emperor's
1: yeah Nero's current wife Papea. Yes.
0: And who who rose who is actually
1: quite in character historically here. Uh-huh. Papea was a commoner who rose to become Nero's wife through intrigue. She like mm-hmm. married a friend of Nero's in order to get close to Nero and then dumped him to marry Nero. And, Hmm. I mean, she dumped him to make herself available and then set her sights on Nero once Ah. she was in the circle. So it rings quite true when she tells Barbara, I am Empress and I enjoy being Empress, and anything you would do to thwart that, I am not going to look favorably on. And she's essentially warning Barbara against doing what she herself did.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. okay.
1: Also, Papea is, it's very important that we're meeting Papea. In AD 64, because she's not going to survive AD 65. Oh. Uh, her death is, is very. It, the causes of why she died are, un, are, are not entirely clear, but it seems to have involved a physical assault from Nero. The question Ooh. is did he do it deliberately or was it an accident?
0: Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So, or could it yeah. have
1: been something else and that they just attributed it to Nero?
0: So Popea her concern about her new slave Barbara uh, is is not uh is it's a valid concern given that Nero, upon seeing Barbara, has decided that uh he's going to now uh, woo her, uh to put mm-hmm. it kindly. <laughs> uh to chase <laughs> her around the bed,
2: literally. Yeah, he's
0: literally well, chases he's chasing uh, her through the halls. <laughs> around the palace, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um he's quite taken with her is my note. Uh and so she chases her. He finally corners her but that's when papaya walks in and <laughs> catches him. Uh there is also a moment where uh, the, uh Nero has this aide who keeps following around called Tigellinus who he keeps yelling at. The poor oh, guy is, is the I, worst job. I, I wanted to
1: mention the slave. Yeah, uh Tigellinus keeps trying to serve Nero and he has no lines. He never gets to speak. But he's right. constantly like trying to put a crown on Nero and Nero yeah. and, and there's this comedy of errors with the crown where Nero keeps moving out of range just as he's about to plop it down on his head or yeah. or when Nero is chasing Barbara around and by the way, this is the second time Barbara has been chased in this way. Back in the Keys of Marinus, right. they're on a they're on part of Marinus that is Arctic in environment and she gets chased by a hunter trapper guy around his cabin. That's right. And yep. that they're is played awesome. for dark. Yeah. This is played for comedy. So you ha it's almost scooby-doo-like with the, you know her running around and people distracting Nero. One of Nero's distractions is Tigellinus is like trying to carry his train yeah, you know, he's got right. these big flowing robes, and he's, the slave's trying to carry his train and and Nero like shrugs him off. But just then, when he's about to catch Barbara, again, the doctor walks by and engages him and and you have all these distractions keeping Nero from being able to get Barbara, the last one of which being Papea coming in on them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, uh meanwhile, Vicky, who the doctor has by the way told, and this is an important note uh do not interfere, do not cause th- any changes in history like he basically tells her straight up, don't do anything that would cause history to change, but she i try- and avo- trying to avoid Nero running through the halls, stumbles into the workshop of Locusta, or Le- yeah Lacuusta, who reveals that she's the official poisoner to the court of Nero, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh there's this fun conversation between her and Vicky. Vicky's like, "Oh, that must be a very dangerous job. But why? Why would that be a dangerous job?" I'm, everybody no foreshadowing there. Yeah, yeah. Everybody comes to me for their poisons. Uh, poison is a is a is a well accepted means of uh, palace intrigue, and and I'm the you know the one who does it for them. So uh, which is yeah, uh, funny, but yes, foreshadowing. Meanwhile, in the the baths, the the. Doctor and Nero end up in the the baths, and the doctor has to deflect Nero from killing a, uh, a bumbling slave uh, and well, then it's, redirects it's, him it's, to, t- yeah. to talk about palace intrigue.
1: Right. A slave pours really hot water on Nero's feet, and Nero is about to kill him. And the doctor very deftly takes charge of the situation and manages to save the slave's life and get the sentence commuted to banishment. Right. while then buttering up Nero with, oh, I loved how you handled that, Your Majesty.
0: Yes, yeah. yes. He he has this ability to to really manipulate Nero in, in, in the various instances. Meanwhile, Popea meets with Lacusta. She arranges the poisoning of Barbara. So that's what that foreshadowing was about. Uh, yeah, and she's Vicky got, overhears she's got,
1: it. Yeah, Vicky overhears it. She's got two cups, one for Nero and one for Barbara. The one for Barbara is poisoned.
0: Yep. And so Vicky, knowing this, swaps the cups... And almost poisons Nero, much to the doctor's chagrin. Like you've almost point killed the Roman Emperor Nero. You've almost changed history, (laughs) and so he has to save Nero, who then wants his servant Tigellinus to double check the cup who drinks it, and poor Tigellinus kills. I I like it. it.
2: I like it when Nero hands, you know, grabs both cups and hands one to Barbara, and she just grabs the cup and just chugs it. She's like, "I'm done with this."
0: (laughs) Yes, I'm gonna. I, I want to yeah I want to finish this up and move on, uh, and then Lucusta ends up paying the price for Vicky's uh, switching of the cups because Popaea comes back for her her uh, mistake quote unquote.
1: Meanwhile, Ian and Delos have been captured and are slated to fight in the uh, as as runaway slaves in Rome, and they're slated yeah. to fight in the arena. And Ian keeps asking, "What are we going to fight?" You know, because yes. you can fight different things in the arena, and he knows no. that as a twentieth century person. And so we get a lot of distinctly modern zoo footage of lions.
0: Yes, yep. yes. In fact, one of the uh, the cliffhangers for the one of the episodes is all of these uh, lions pacing in their cages. So Nero has thrown a banquet at which the Maximus, quote unquote, the doctor is due to play his music for the for, uh, finally the most famous musician, and the doctor ends up doing a variation on the emperor's new clothes by mm-hmm. saying he's playing music that only the most discerning will be able to hear. Those with the most distinguished hearing. And then doesn't actually play, like, pretends to pluck the strings, and everyone's like, oh, that is so wonderful. And Nero, of course, is like, oh, yes, the, isn't that the best ever? Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it sort of backfires a little on the Doctor, because everyone applauds so much, because they don't want to be seen as not having distinguished hearing, that he gets, uh, Nero gets jealous and hatches a new plot. Uh, he wants the the, uh, the Doctor to perform in the arena, where he's going to have the lions released on him.
1: And... Uh, we also get the doctor name dropping Hans Christian Andersen and saying he gave the idea for the Emperor's New Clothes to him. Yes,
0: that's right. Yep. That's right. <laughs> and uh, uh, so Nero takes Barbara to the arena where uh, he he is, wants to arrange the the killing of the of the Maximus, but also he he's upset and wants to see some gladiators kill each other. And it happens to be Ian and Delos who will be forced to fight to the death. And there's some
1: interesting stuff with ian and delos because yeah the backstage in you know their cell as they're being prepped Mm -hmm. you know they're being given their armor and their weapons and things like that and ian is startlingly generous because even though a guard hands him a helmet he gives the helmet to delos when he doesn't have (laughs) one Mm -hmm. yeah but ian is is trying to find a non-violent way out of this where neither has to kill the other But Delos is a first century person, and it's like, I'm sorry, uh, one of us has to die here, and if I can kill you, I will, Mm -hmm. but because you're a great guy, Ian, I'll make it quick. Right. And Ian accepts that, and then when they fight, there is a moment where Delos can kill Ian, but he can't, and he turns on Nero. And attacks the Emperor, and that leads to a scuffle with the guards, and Ian and Delos end up escaping, but Ian has now seen Barbara and says, I'll be back. And so Nero decides to set a trap for Ian and Delos, since he knows they'll be coming back, he decides to have guards stationed all around the palace, so that when they come to get Barbara, he can get them.
0: Right. And meanwhile Popeia is ordering Tavius to get rid of Barbara. Uh so that you have this, this conflict here where Nero wants to use her as bait. Tavius has been told to get rid of her, and Barbara tells him now she now plans to escape, which he sees Tavius says, Oh, this aligns right with my plans with what I need to do because of Popeya. So yes, I'll I'll help you escape now. Ian is coming to rescue you. Meanwhile, Tavius
1: is kind of the linchpin. Among all these characters, and he's trying to further the conspiracy against Nero. Mm-hmm. Yes, by moving things along, he keeps t- updating the Doctor on. So you're going to uh, Nero's going to have you play in the arena, and he's going to set the lions on you, and so you need to do your thing before then. Right, and mm-hmm. the Doctor eventually gets out of Tavius what he's supposed to do. Apparently, the original Maximus from Corinth indicated via the underground network that he's going to ki- he's willing to die even if he has to in order to kill Nero so he's going to come to Rome and kill Nero and Tavius and others in the palace have been allowing that to happen and so right. that's why Tavius is updating the doctor on this since he thinks he's Maximus but by- and by the way this conspiracy stuff is quite real there were a lot of conspiracies in Rome now this one is fictional but there were a lot of conspiracies in Rome, and there was a the most famous one in Nero's time was the Pisonian conspiracy, which would happen the year after this in AD sixty five when Gaius Calpurnius Piso try had a conspiracy against Nero, and un, and he got caught, he and his confederates, and, mm-hmm. and and you know they died and stuff. But it is realistic to the times that there would be these kind of conspiracies going on,
0: right. And uh, all, this conversation with Tavius occurs in Nero's chamber, where the Doctor and Vicky stumble upon Nero's plans to remake Rome. Like, the famously, Nero mm-hmm. wanted to rebuild Rome in his image, and even wanted to rename it uh, to Nerosium or uh, Neropolitan ne- or whatever it is. Or just Nero. Or just Nero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or just Nero. Or just Nero. And that's why July of 64 AD is significant, because that's when Rome burned. And in fact... <laughs> That's the doctor who gives Nero the idea to burn Rome, because as Nero's talking to him, he's got his eyeglasses holding behind his back because of course he doesn't want Nero to see him wearing eyeglasses, and the sun coming in hits the eyeglasses and the eyeglasses set the, Nero's plans on fire, and so Nero's incensed at first, uh, no pun intended, uh, but then gets the idea, oh, maybe that would be the great great idea to burn burn the city. So, yes, it is the doctor who inspired Nero to burn Rome. <laughs> right, it, it,
1: because the, it, Nero has not been able to get his rebuilding renovation plans approved by the Senate. But if Rome has been burned down, the Senate yes. will have no choice but to approve them. Yep, also, yes. before, this, before, the fire of, before the doctor sets the plans on fire, the doctor has this unsettling conversation with Nero, who has come to tell him you're going to play in the arena tonight. And right. the doctor keeps using a lot of double entendre, challenging Nero, in effect saying he knows about the plan with the lions. Yeah. So he keeps dropping these Oh, I'm sure it will be a roaring success, your Majesty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he keeps he seems to be having fun, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. what is your end game here? Yeah. <laughs> but they don't actually have to play out that because of his glasses set the plans on fire. And I like it that now the doctor is responsible for the fire of Rome, and I like it that instead of just name-dropping historical figures or, as we see so many times, the doctor giving them the good ideas they're famous for, I like mm-hmm. it the doctor's finally giving someone a bad idea
0: that <laughs> <Yeah>. he's <laughs> famous for. And Vicky eventually calls him on it like, wait, you're responsible for the burning of Rome? And he's like, oh, my dear, of course not. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's not <Yeah>. me. <laughs> Uh, I find it interesting that the slave trader, Sevcheria, is the one put in charge of the palace guard. But it's, you know, you can't... Uh, cast. Yep. Yeah, limited cast. Can't introduce another, another uh, character. Uh, Ian and Delis are they sneak into the palace past the guard by posing uh, as part of this group of men being hired to do the actual burning, to set the, fire to the city. The incendiaries. Yes, yes. They, they are... They, they're uh, uh, improvised incendiary devices. Uh, so, uh, meanwhile, Tavius takes Ian to Barbara. So he, he he meets Ian in the in the hall there, takes a tour. Uh, and while the doctor and Vicky are sneaking out, so that's their plan is to sneak out past the guards, uh, Ian right, and so, Barbara... So yeah. the
1: doctor and Vicky sneak out on their own, not realizing Ian and Barbara are even here. And yes. Tavius helps Ian and Barbara escape. And as they're going, we get a shot of Tavius after they've left, he says goodbye to them and basically wishes a blessing on them. And he's mm-hmm. holding on his chest a, a crucifix or a cross. Yes. So we know right. now that Tavius is a secret Christian.
0: Right. And that's one of the that's why Barbara's kindness to the other uh, uh the slave was what attracted his attention because it was a Christian thing to do. He saw the 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 charity of Christ in her and mm-hmm. that was the sort of thing. So, uh, And also, apparently, why he's trying to advance this intrigue of killing Nero. And he had already uh, earlier...
1: Well, okay, so two things. He had also earlier kind of cryptically referred to him having his own reasons for why he's helping Barbara. Right. And now we get the reveal on what those reasons are. Yes. On the Nero thing, though, this is a bit of a historical inaccuracy. Now, you could... <laughs> say, okay, by 64, Nero was so bad that a Christian in his court might want to unseat him. Uh, So that's maybe. But Nero is famous for persecuting Christians, but he didn't persecute them until after the Great Fire, because he used Christians as scapegoats, trying to claim they set the Great Fire. So the persecution of Christians really didn't break out until AD 65. Prior to that, Nero doesn't seem to have had a problem with Christians. In fact, the evidence we have from Scripture and from outside Scripture would indicate that when St. Paul was brought before him as a citizen of Rome for his first trial, that Paul was vindicated and Nero let him go. He said hmm. he, hadn't, he hadn't done anything you know here that violated Roman law, and he could go. And, and so Nero actually seems to have not had a problem with Christians until they became scapegoats for the fire. And so a Christian like Tavius, before the fire, wouldn't have reason to move against Nero on the grounds that Nero was hostile to Christians because he wasn't yet. It would have to be other
0: grounds. And to be fair, they don't explicitly say that that's why he's moving against them, but sort of implied, but you can have other reasons. The
1: school kids in the audience are going to be thinking, oh yeah, he persecuted Christians and he made them fight lions in the arena and stuff. Yes, he did, but not until after the fire.
0: Right, right, right. So, uh, outside the city, Vicky and the Doctor watch Rome burn, although the Doctor seems a little more uh, amused by it than I think oh. he should
1: be. <laughs> Both yeah. him and Vicky, they're too positive as they're watching Rome burning.
0: Yeah. Uh, and this is where Vicky accuses the Doctor of giving Nero the idea and he, he uh, re- rejects that that accusation. Uh, meanwhile, Nero, we see famously fiddling on his lyre while Rome burns. Uh, you know, yep. is the crazy Nero. And, uh, Ian and Barbara make it back to the villa uh, on their own, and neither group knows about the other's adventures. They, in fact, I don't think they ever figure it out uh, that the adventures that they had at the same time at the same place. Do they? Well, 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 the
1: the doctor and Vicky tell Ian and Barbara their story mostly right. off camera, but yes. Ian and Barbara never get around to telling the doctor and Vicky what happened to them, although. Vicky, at the end of the episode, is still wearing a gold bracelet that Nero gave her. And actually, that gold bracelet is going to become a plot point in the next episode, in the next story, when they get to the web planet.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Vicky, so they- or
1: was it Barbara that had it? Barbara, I'm sorry. Did I say Vicky? Oh. Yeah.
0: Oh, Barbara. Okay. So uh, they, they they end up th- leaving the uh, the villa. They take off in the TARDIS. And uh, there's this whole bit here, because this is only the second trip in the TARDIS that Vicky has taken, where she doesn't believe that the doctor is not in control of the ship. And uh, so there's a kind of a funny little repartee between, like, Barbara, Vicky, and Ian about, yeah, he's he's not really actually in control of where we're going and how we're getting there. So it's just something to keep in mind. And uh, then they end up getting caught up in some sort of space anomaly. Space time anomaly, and that will bring us to the the next Plan- episode, the web planet on the planet Vortis. Yeah. So, uh, final notes on the Romans, Father Corey.
2: Uh, nothing. I just it was it, it was you know for the dark topics like we talk about. It was it was a very enjoyable episode, and it, it was nice again another classic Who episode that actually moves.
1: Yes. Yes, Jimmy. I I thought I'd mention a couple of the sight gags that we get because we mentioned there's physical comedy in this. One of them is when the doctor is first brought in to play for Nero. This is before the dinner banquet scene where he does the emperor's new clothes routine. On his mm-hmm. very first occasion, he he has he has some kind of back and forth with Nero, where he's very deferential to Nero, and this is actually in character. It, it, it's historically accurate because, like in AD sixty seven, Nero would go on this tour of Greece where he would play in in lyre competitions and do chariot races. And I don't know, there were like 800 events. And guess what? Nero won all of them. Of course. course. You know. (laughs) So, you know, you don't best Nero. And the doctor is deferentially finding ways to verbally to get out of lyre playing and like, oh, this is an inferior instrument. And I couldn't perhaps your majesty could favor us with a tune and stuff <laughs> yes and so nero and so nero calls for a footstool and what he's going to do is he's going to put his leg up and like put his foot on the footstool and then use his uh bent leg to brace the lyre to play it Mm. But the doctor, not being a liar player, thinks he's called for a stool for him as an old man, and he tries to sit down on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> and so I we get that. we get this sight
1: gag as the doctor tries to sit down, and then Nero puts up his foot. Yeah. <laughs> Later, when when Nero is starting to, ch- actually a little bit before the chase with Barbara, but Nero is in his chambers with wi and Tigilius when Tavius comes in. To tell him something, and they're leaving, and Nero and Tavius both simultaneously get jammed in the doorway, in this Archie and Meathead door gag right. that right. actually precedes Archie and Meathead on All in the Family by like
0: a decade. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 as you probably can tell, I enjoyed this one. I like the historicals, as I said. Although this is one of the the, the, the re- few remaining pure historicals that, that we'll get in Doctor Who. There there aren't many that are going to follow this. I think by the time of the third Doctor, they're done doing it, right? Um, uh, well, there is
1: technically one in the fifth Doctor era, which is Black Orchid, that we've already done. Oh,
0: that's right, that's right.
1: But But really, they're done by the second Doctor.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh but I enjoyed it I, I a lot of fun um I I the 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 comedy was good and and yeah was yeah I definitely recommend uh giving this an, a, a watch uh, especially if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, so uh let's wrap things up there. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Dr. Who including Daniel C, Father Jeff H, Arthur D, Jason C and Kevin E. Their generous donations at sqpn.com/give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What do you think of The Romans? If you get a chance to watch it, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 11th Doctor story, The Doctor's Wife. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Salve, Domenico et Padre. <laughs> Father Cory Stieker, thank you as well.
2: I'm not even going to try the Latin, so thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on Starquest. And remember, O Tempora, O mores.
2: Right.